Hello, and welcome to a very special episode of Exit the Stage Door. I am your host, Aaron Teachman. My dog's here. She's not gonna... She's not my dog. I live with her. Look, the point is, it's the end of the season. Uh, it's not a whole year. It doesn't work out that way. It's a year of network television, so there's a good symmetry to it. Plus, it's the downtime in D.C., theater scene and most theater scenes right august everybody's gone off to vacay and uh fringe is over so it's a it's a hard time to get a hold of people uh so we're gonna we're gonna take a hiatus and we're gonna come back strong later and the best way that i could think of to celebrate was to come back around full circle sit down again with Daniel Mullman and celebrate uh, what uh, these last uh, nine or so whatever months. I You'd think I would prepare a speech or something for these intros, but I don't. Um, that's not how this works. The point is, it was awesome to sit down and have a great conversation with Danielle again, where it really all started in her apartment. Um, we, we hashed this out a little bit on the podcast. I'm not going to go into it too much detail. In fact, I it shouldn't have been talking this long, guys. Uh, it has been an honor and a privilege to have so many wonderful conversations with, with theater makers in the area. I'm so excited about the future of theater in D.C. I'm very excited about the future of this podcast as we explore uh, the community further. And I hope you will join me in the future. And uh, in now, Danielle Mullen, again. Right in the middle of my legs. Oh yeah, <laughs> straddling my kitchen table here. <laughs> have we started? <laughs> well, now we have started. Yes. Oh, okay. I turned myself too far down, and now I can't hear. Yeah, there we go. Hello. Hello. And then I turned you way too far down. Oops. <laughs> Things are getting off. Yeah, I don't know if I can hear it. Really well right here. So. I can't hear you. Am I supposed to hear you? Or That's my fault for mixing up the order of things. Let's, <laughs> let's turn that microphone up and that microphone down. And we, now... We can just do a podcast where I guess what you're saying and then... <laughs> and then um, we go from there. <laughs> and then... This is ri- this is like amazing podcasting right now where I'm like I'm going to move the microphone. Which is different this time because the shock mount means that people won't hear it <laughs> like last time. Oh, when I kept hitting it. <laughs> I'm like, "Pow." This is much better. Yes, I love these microphones, but but I'm that's... just trying to get it so I could also see you <laughs> yeah, and no. also talk into the mic at the same time because that's yeah, I'm. It's it's a flashback. I'm remembering all of these things. I'm. I, anyway, oh wow, there's a change in my pocket. I should. Okay. Excellent. We have officially started. Minutes ago, <laughs> riveting podcasting up to this point. But I'm so happy uh, to be back here. This is a great way for me to, I think, to wrap up season one where it all started. Um, right here in the same apartment. Indeed, indeed. And most of the first episodes were a direct result of uh, of of uh, suggestions that you made unprompted which is awesome exactly what I love I highly encourage my listeners to reach out on Twitter I wasn't sure if it was like too much but I was like okay I'm in the middle of this email I'm just gonna keep writing it I was like these are all the people you should talk to Aaron okay bye (laughs) 
It was great. I loved it. And there's still a couple people I think I have to chase down. Anu, yes, who will be back in town in October. She finally emailed me. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that one because I don't, now that I look at it, I think I actually saw her at Dakshina when Dakshina was produced at Shakespeare. So that's possible. But it, well, I don't, it wasn't Mina's dream, but it was definitely something else that so, she was working on. Yeah. yeah, yeah she's yeah. wicked talented. <laughs> I, I, I love everything about her. And then I run into her in the metro a lot and she'll just be like, hi, Danielle. And I'm usually very disoriented because I've just got off work or something. And um, she's always just been really friendly and just runs up to me and like like it's like it's been minutes since we last saw each other right, and, it's, yeah. and it's amazing she's she's just such a great writer and such a great performer I'm, I'm really glad you're gonna get to oh yeah interview her she emailed me out of the blue like oh I was cleaning up some emails I know this is from like nine months ago but <laughs> good perfect. to know she didn't delete it yeah right? exactly I was, I was like score the time bombs man that can I'm just gonna send the email out now and like just, if I don't hear anything back it's it just means it'll happen later right Right. It'll be great. So welcome to my apartment. <laughs> it is uh, much brighter in the summer than it was in <laughs> October. And also, it's the daytime. Yeah, uh, that's also true. Which it was night last time. That's true. <laughs> it's, uh, it's the yin and the yang of Daniel Moment. Yes. And now everything's in boxes because I'm moving. Sadly, you are leaving the community, but you're going to enrich Seattle, right? Yes. Yes. That's the plan. I'm Well, the plan is, yes, I'm going to be in Seattle. The plan is also to enrich, but also to learn from what's already there. I I um, have some meetings set up when I get there, and it's really going to be like getting to know the area mm-hmm. and, the, and the theater um, community and all of that. Um, I'm nervous. I'm excited. Um, and I fluctuate between the two like daily. <laughs> um, I'm also really nervous about the move that I'm about to make because we're driving. Oh wow! Um, and so it's going to turn out to be like 60 hours on the road total. Yep. Um, which will be great and terrifying. And so that's yeah. that's that. Um, yeah, I've never moved quite that far, but I have moved to Houston and back several times and to austin back so i made it halfway (laughs) yeah i mean i've moved this distance but never driving oh yeah Um, oh yeah it's been like pack things up and ship them ahead and then get on a plane because i never before this move i didn't like own any furniture or um or any furniture that i really cared about right and now it's like i'm moving with my person and uh we have stuff we've bought together and um we would like that stuff to be there when we get to Seattle. So, so we're gonna go with it in order to make sure that yes, happens. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. <laughs> totally, I understand that anxiety completely. I um, was so freaked out about people knowing that I was moving and like having the stuff in the car that I put two blankets over the stuff, just so it was like an amorphous blob of stuff, and yeah. no one was actually tempted by <laughs> specific like a guitar or something or mm-hmm. anything that they recognize like yeah that's worth it so instead it was just a couple blankets on top of stuff yeah could have been garbage during half of that i was list- just reflecting on my stupid laugh that i just did <laughs> because i have a cold right now and i have like a different laugh and it sounded like um the mcfly laugh from uh back to the future wow. the <laughs> so all right uh george mcfly george mcfly um, 
What should we talk about, Aaron? Well, that's so you have you have a handy list, but I think we've been instructed to to start low and work our way ourselves up to the good stuff. So we, I think we should probably start with Birdman. Oh yes. There was, a, there was a very intriguing series of tweets that I was very late to the game on. I was like, oh, no, we do need to talk about this because this would be fantastic. Um, yes. So um, I hated Birdman. Okay. Um, so much. And I know that I am one of few people that holds this opinion because it did win an Oscar. Yeah. <laughs> not just an Oscar. Arguably the Oscar. Right. Um but it was not an Oscar in feminism. No, I think we can argue no. that. <laughs> um, I think the... I'm, I'm going to guarantee that I did not hate the movie quite as much as you did, but I am not a huge fan. Oh, okay. I thought that you were going to come at me and be like, nah. it's the greatest movie ever made. What's wrong with you, Danielle? <laughs> no, no, no. I um, was going to be like... Because I, I was on the boyhood train. I was... I felt like which boyhood... Which I haven't seen yet. Um, but it, Totally I fair. Will. But I was like, that, that speaks to something that's a little bit more universal is such a stupid term to use in America these days when it's talking about suburban white people as like, but it is very evocative of being suburban and white. Mm -hmm. It's very effective about that. And it, it tells a story of time in a way that is just like literally authentic, like 12 years past. They didn't like cast a new kid and they're like, all right, this kid looks like he's 12 years older or whatever. Um, no, I really yeah. want to see that so, movie, but I did see Birdman. Yeah, but right, Birdman. <laughs> so I think I bailed almost entirely on the film when Andrea Riseborough and Naomi Watts are in the dressing room together. Okay, you're going to have to remind me what characters they, they Okay, played. so... I'm not good with, like, okay. movie star names. So Andrea Riseborough is the dark-haired one who's having an affair with um, Riggin, with uh, Michael Keaton. Um, okay, yes. Who has a criminally small part in the film for someone who is so ridiculously talented. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I, she hasn't been, like, completely well used in any of the movies that she's been in, but... So she's the one... Skip forward, if you haven't seen this movie. She's the one that, like, thinks that she's pregnant? Yes. Um, great. Yes. Yeah. And that's how her whole role is defined? Yeah, that's super annoying. Again, super talented performer. Please don't judge her by what she did in this movie because she was not asked to do much. Right. No, I am not judging any of the... <laughs> let's put this... Let me get this out here right now. I am I think all of the actresses in the movie were very talented. I have nothing against them. Not their fault that they were given <laughs> such shit roles that yeah. were defined only by the men in the movie. Yes, that was super annoying. So when they kiss in the in the dressing room after having a pretty authentic... like. I know, I know a lot of actors. I used to live with an actor, an actress specifically. So mm-hmm. like... And I understand the you know the the strange intimacies of being backstage, mm-hmm. but but that just veered off into this weird masculine fantasy of female intimacy. Yes, that annoyed the shit out of me, and I it took me a while to even get back into the flow of the film. And when you say the um, the the fantasy of female intimacy, do you mean when the skip forward the um, the two actresses kiss? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super I was annoyed. like, I was like, they clearly are not lesbians. This is clearly in his mind, like what he thinks is happening. And I was so mad. Yeah, I was so mad. That's about when I sent my first tweet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, because no. I was at home when I was watching oh, okay. this movie. Oh, live tweeting is the best. I totally <laughs> love it. Like you get this, you have this permanent record of you, of your like mental state as you progress through the film. I was just, I was so mad because, um, like every every single character, it was like 
that woman could be defined only by the men that were in the movie. And also, I was angry at the fact that they didn't even touch on the fact that um, that that woman, the blonde woman, mm-hmm. I don't remember her name, um, was being raped by her husband oh, on yeah. stage. Oh, yeah, on stage, yeah. That they, wasn't even, like, that was glossed over like totally. it was nothing. It yeah. was like, oh, well, he, he must, like, care about me. Like, it's been a while. And I'm like, oh, my God, no woman would say that. Right, yeah, it was, yeah, it was horrible. I was so mad. And... The daughter mm-hmm. was like completely defined. Like she had such a potential to be such a rich character. Like she was, she when she comes in, like she's very of her own. She's very like defined. She has this backstory about her like drug addiction and all of that. Um, and then as soon as a man comes in, it's like, oh, it's all about like sneaking around backstage and like should I jump? And oh, well, he right. saved me from like jumping off this building. And I'm like, oh my god. And those conversations. Speaking of male fantasies. Those conversations between younger woman and older guy that yes. leads to them having some kind of sexual connection. It's like, yes. ah, so bored. Immediately bored by this conversation. Yes. When you are were bored and annoyed, I was just angry yeah. <laughs> and wanting to throw things at the TV. I was so mad. Um, yeah. So that's how I felt about Birdman. Yep. And the, and the theater critic also, I think, is important to point out. Lindsay, whatever, whatever the actress's name is, she did not deserve the treatment that the film gave a theater critic right. at all. Right, exactly. And, like, everyone wants to harp on that. And, and and the way it was talked about, like, in at least the the criticism that I was reading of the movie, and which only focused on her role, um, I thought that, from reading it, I thought that it was played by a man. Because <laughs> they were like, the theater critic, the theater critic. And I'm like, oh, it's going to be just another role by a man. Oh, no, give the shrillest of all parts to a lady mm-hmm. in this movie that's already so anti-woman. I was like, "Oh my god." And it, and it's like she doesn't get she doesn't get a fair shot cuz she has a point, but she doesn't get a good way to make a good point. She just gets to be an avatar for something that the director wants to destroy. I was just I was so mad at the, like, the right. I was like, how did this film get made? Like, this writing is so horrible. Everything is one dimensional except for the male characters. Um, there was a uh, spoiler when he, like, shot himself on stage. I hope that he was dead. Um, yeah, absolutely. I was so I, mad that I, at the end I was like, oh my God, he's still alive after all of this? I was, like, so angry. <laughs> that's legit. I was too. I was like, wait, I thought the movie was over. I thought we. We should have made a point. We made the point, right? Oh no, he doesn't. He doesn't get punished. He ha- he gets to go out on his own terms. Is and then happened. he's like, like, "Oh, my nose doesn't look good." I'm like, "Poor baby! Oh my god!" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was the technical achievement. I enjoyed them making it look like it was one shot. Oh That's yes, Emmanuel Obeski, the DP, fantastic. I love the like the jazz score is awesome, and the occasional shot to the the trap kit. Because I had seen it, like, immediately after I saw Whiplash. Oh. I saw it also immediately after I saw Whiplash, <laughs> so which the, I did enjoy. Right, yeah. Whiplash is a really great movie about the possible abusive slash... Well, well I mean, there's just... That's, I mean, a, that's a rich topic. In I mean, <laughs> also, whip, can I just say really quick without, like... First of all, I make everything about feminism. So I'm sorry, listener. If that's not your... If that's not your bag, then just turn this off. Um... But I was watching Whiplash, and I thought it was a beautiful movie, like, really well done, well written, 
why were all the jazz musicians men? Yeah, that was. Yeah. I've been in jazz musician. I've been I've been a jazz musician in high school and college, and like there are ladies that play. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I was like, this is unrealistic to me. Yeah, um, yeah. But I mean, I guess with that conductor, maybe he maybe he would be like so. I don't I, even know. Well, I mean, I do think the film has a point about like the damage that hypermasculinity does that that could be that there's that 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 exists as part of the critique of his character Mm -hmm. so there's at least a legitimate critical function that you could could discuss in in that context unlike with birdman which was wholly unfair to all of its supremely talented actresses Mm -hmm. also i've seen all of dudes in aritu's films before this Mm -hmm. which is why i was surprised like when people started really liking this one it's like this one's not no, you remember Babel, right? Because that movie sucks. Except for Rinko Kakushi, the the deaf girl in Japan. That, I have not seen any of these movies you're talking about. You don't have to see Babel, except for if you can find YouTube clips of, of her experiencing a rave. Like, it is legitimately awesome. Like, it, because it's about her experience of it as a deaf woman mm-hmm. dealing with people being surrounded by the beat and the music and stuff like that and her, the sensory overload. I think she might be on drugs at that point. Like, it's a trouble. But that sequence, excellent. Everything else about the movie, crap. Mm-hmm. Very, like, first level, doesn't dig, there's nothing critical, like, trying to make a statement of the life and that should sound familiar to someone who doesn't like Birdman. It's like, oh, yeah, first level, critique, right. not really digging into the surface of things, not really analyzing. Uh, okay, yeah. The, <laughs> wanting to be more profound than you really are because who, yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, it's just that, like, it angers me that these kinds of things, like, I was just, I was in a rage after. I was like, this is 2015, like, these kinds of movies are still being made, like, representation matters, like, and I know that, like, also diversity is a huge issue in this movie, but, like, I was, of course, harping on the, the issue of, like, how women were portrayed because I'm a woman, yeah. uh, and I'm gonna hit the table, um, <laughs> and, like, if I am not able to see strong portrayals of, of other women in media, like, and I know that it's a problem, what are other women that aren't being as critical about it thinking? Like, you use that for modeling in your life. Right. Like, it's the film and TV is the most accessible form of media. Um, and if you're not seeing that kind of representation, then what is, what, what is the incentive to, like, be a strong woman? There is, there is none because you're not seeing it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's what makes me really angry is that it's like felt like a movie that was made in 1950, right? But it was made in 2015 yeah. or 2014 or whenever Whatever, it was made. Yeah. yeah. I, I was surprised by the accolades it received afterward because I think it like grew in in this weird slow burn way. Mm-hmm. It's like people saw it like, eh, okay. And then by the time we get to the Oscars, it's like, oh, it's the best film of the year. Like, whoa, whoa, time out. When did that happen? That I was not paying attention to. That's not, no, 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 no. <laughs> best picture of the year? No, no. <laughs> but that actually, I think, segues really nicely because I saw squares today. Speaking okay. of representation, seeing yourself and, and modeling and all kinds of other things about checking your privilege. Yes. <laughs> which is what uh, no one did for Inaritu. Uh Yeah, squares. Playground games mm-hmm. as a way, an extraordinarily gentle way of pointing out privilege and trying to reorganizing your thinking about it mm-hmm. is really awesome. 
it was a really great did experience. you have a good time i did good i did and we were it was a it was a pretty i just put my hand in front of my mouth because i'm an idiot um <laughs> i've been podcasting for almost a year now um it was a pretty small crowd like uh eight people okay which it, um which i feel like is a pretty close to ideal size yes because it's so personal and yeah. it's so like who are who are you not to quote the show, but right. who are you right. and who are you as a person and what's your experience? Yeah. That eight is actually really good. Yeah. Um, so um, keep talking. I'm well, sorry. No, no. It's, I, you, you know a little bit more about the show than I do, but it, um, it was so I actually really wanted to do it in the morning. Like I, They have the 11 a.m. shows, which is great. It's like I want to be right. like as much. It's not supposed to be a theater performance. You're supposed to go and play mm-hmm. and to learn about life through play. So I wanted to be reminded of what it was like to play on the playground. Right. So their introduction, of course, is great because Foursquare is a, is a very frequently played playground game for a very long time in America. Yes. So like, it's an easy way to just bring people in. And the ensemble is so good mm-hmm. at... I thought you were going to end there, but yes, they well, are yes, so good. They and are good. What and are they good at, Aaron? Specifically, what they're really good at is, like, because what you're doing could be done, and is often done aggressively, because it's essentially about checking your privilege, essentially reminding you all of the existence of privilege and the many, many ways it manifests itself without you thinking about it and making you think about it. Mm-hmm. And that can be done very confrontationally, and that can be done successfully confrontationally, but in the context of an interactive playground game, you, I think, have a great opportunity to break down barriers because it's so gentle. And some of these things that we get to, like the mother may I, and the intersectional, the the chalk drawing web, mm-hmm. make it make a very physical, visual representation of your privilege in a way that you, a lot of people, for sure, don't don't see it was like uh, i just saw on twitter somebody was randomly quoting gta chesterton is that the things that you see every day are the things that you don't see at all and it's a great just like bodies in space Mm -hmm. this is a representation of privilege but the the members of the of the ensemble have to set people at their ease there's nothing aggressive about them everybody is you know this is your name you great hi it's nice to meet you thank you for being here um accommodating everyone in every way in order to make sure that everyone is fully invested mm-hmm. as possible in the goings-on and they're so gentle because being confronted with privilege can be such a traumatizing experience to someone who thinks they're basically a good person and doesn't understand like the system at the way the system has like propped them up and also being confronted by actors can also be <laughs> difficult for some audience members. Very true. Very true. I I worked my way up to it. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is actually my first time uh, in a participatory piece. Okay. An interactive piece. And I am normally a shy person. So they were so inviting and made it so easy to be a part of the games. And that, to me, is the genius, the most genius part about this, other than the, like putting bodies in space, is the way that the games are configured. Mm-hmm. because they're games that we basically get they start with games that have I don't know if we need to worry about spoilers or whatever no because like, like it closes tomorrow right <laughs> so like like the game that starts off kill uh, like assassinate the president president assassin yeah yes. president assassin is great it's like essentially a version of monkey in the middle with the protector and monkey in the middle is fine oh well actually not nah, totally fine but assassinate the president is really direct and forward but everything they say is at any point, anybody can jump up and down and change a rule. Mm-hmm. And it 
obviously that's insulting and in many ways very difficult like you we threw they threw jorge in as the right. first hispanic president right that's scripted like, yes i hope so because it's it's a great idea it's like okay here is like barack obama somebody who is traditionally been disadvantaged and who did they have uh bodyguard was it an joey. audience member joey oh, started great and then yeah. then we switched into the yeah. into the game and joey was very good at it so it took a while to get people out i think he's probably gotten better over the course of the of the run i used to be the star bodyguard and then you know i had to stop playing because i'm not in the show and everyone was like how do you get so good i was like ballet because i would just do my ballet moves and jump it's great it's great and because the subtle thing that happens during that game assassinate the president very aggressive name and then you have someone of color being the president like wow there's all kinds of loaded things happening and then he like starts talking about his political platform which are very reasonable progressive statements that you thoroughly agree with and you're like oh wait i'm trying to kill the um part of you just like tunes it out it's like oh it's a game whatever i'm gonna let the rules pass by which is what happens when you have privilege like i know this doesn't affect me so i can just go along right but somebody actually pointed out can we change the name it's like you were explicitly told that you can propose any rule at any time mm-hmm. you can change the name of the game and that doesn't seem like a big deal but it is a very big deal and the the sitting finding out who to follow the leader like starting off with an indian tribe and follow, like identifying the chief and like does the game have to be called that no it doesn't it doesn't but, but nobody stands up and but asks you know the what? question children are playing that game still really under that name i Oh my gosh, that's insane. At my, at my place of work the other day, there is camp. <laughs> yeah? Oh and no. And they are playing that game, Indian Chief. They're calling it that. Wow. Wow. And it could be so easily called Follow the Leader. Yeah, it, it, and <laughs> that's, that's a much more evocative description of the game. You know, oh, I immediately understand how to play this game. Right, and the rules. <laughs> immediately. Yes. Uh, wow, that's kind of mind-blowing. But yeah, so it was a great experience which is how like great theater should be of course it's like and that's the other thing i love about like not only is it checking your privilege but it's also messing with your concept of theater mm-hmm. ever so gently it's like theater doesn't have to be the way that you necessarily experienced it you don't have to recreate the theater experience here we want you to do something different right and how again, was tag a tag was great um <laughs> i'm just gonna check in on all the games how was tag <laughs> um i think yeah, it was Jorge who introduces uh, the zombie tag idea, which is super subtle because it turns from a game that's like isolating everybody from each other by forcing them to escape. And in a way that you, know, you can be the losers of tag are often the physically disabled <laughs> and just turning it into like a collective game of winning, which was awesome. Also very, very subtle. But mm-hmm. uh, to me anyway, it was effective. We had a bunch of clued in people like I would love to. I would love to experience this game with a bunch of people who were, like, like had been prepared but weren't necessarily as totally mm-hmm. ready for it. Like the cap fringe crowd is very self-selecting in that sense. So, like, right. it's it's a. Uh, I thought it was still effective because there's one girl who talked about how, um, excuse me, one woman who was very open at the end when in the discussion section was like, yeah, I was actually made uncomfortable at seeing privilege named specifically mm-hmm. in the Mother May I game, which is uh, that. Oh, was, interesting. Yeah. Like, it, she talked about the, the... And did she possess... You don't have to, like, reveal anything about her, but did she possess privileges or did she not possess privileges? She did not possess privileges. Okay. 
she was she was very young and a woman i mean she was a white woman so like there's some element of it but like the first part of the game is like setting up a, a mer- like basically the status quo of america and right. like where people start relative to everybody else like mm-hmm. oh hey check that out yeah that's mm-hmm. nice to be reminded of that one yeah uh and after we put it in the show we found out that buzzfeed just did a similar privilege line um, and we were like, okay, good. We're on the right track. Yeah, yeah. I saw a couple of those things where BuzzFeed was, was I did, did it again, um, putting my finger in front of my face. That was silly. But yeah, it's, I noticed that BuzzFeed too. It's like, yes, somebody else is. It is, it is a very powerful way of tapping into the metaphor. And mm-hmm. I totally love it. Um, the intersectionality thing is also really good because I, when, we, when you, draw, you draw a circle and you put a privilege that you experience mm-hmm. inside of it and then you draw a line to all of the privileges that you also possess right and um listeners i have to admit it i am a middle class white man so you were drawing lots of lines i'm sure i I drew a line to every circle every circle every single one of them i was like wow oh man that's a lot (laughs) and then it's like yeah it's just it's just right there what about the disadvantages um if you don't mind me no i think because i think that was really interesting (laughs) I'm not a Marxist, uh, but it made me think about the labor struggle because in other countries that don't have as stark a racial divide, the labor versus capital struggle is much more viscerally real. But when you looked at the, everyone's like lists, mm-hmm. uh, the one thing that they had that was a disadvantage, like there was like a third of them had to do with money, mm-hmm. which was totally like there's they're actors so uh, a lot of uh, and and i work in theater so not a whole lot of money action like student debt was was uh, was a big one right um but there were a bunch of others intercutting that made those disadvantages the disadvantages were much less in this group which was mostly white people um much less intersectional and i that makes sense to me like the racial divide was so strong that like i'm fighting for coal miners who look like me mm-hmm. and not for those sharecroppers over there who don't count right. like and that cut through so much so hard that we often that labor versus capital just gets lost like that conflict which is very real and it came up with occupy wall street and all those other things like that's a still a huge problem mm-hmm. but there's another set of structural problems in the way of a lot of other things like right. being a poor white dude is so still so privileged over being any other color yes that it like you almost or like, any other gender or any other gender yeah it's like it's like yeah it's and that's visualized in chalk which was which yeah. was really great yeah that i can take no credit for writing that i was floored when they brought that in the room i was like yes this is going in because it replaced something that we were like ah oh, why is this here why but like we need something here and then Rachel and Joey left the room for like 10 minutes and wrote that and came back in and they were like, this is what we're doing. And I was like, yes, we are. (laughs) And I just typed up everything Joey was saying Mm -hmm. so that we would have a record that he could keep referencing. Yeah. Um, And that was like a lot of my um, input into squares uh, was really... I wrote some of the songs. Mm -hmm. Um, We definitely have to talk about the songs. um, But I didn't write the best song. Um... (laughs) And I, a lot of the other time it was just helping with structure and Mm -hmm. like rearranging things and being a transcriber of everything that was being done in the room. And it was, 
it was like five months of rehearsal Mm -hmm. it was like the longest process i've ever been in and i still know that it's that's short for a devising process and before that it was almost a year of meetings and there were times when i like was really down on myself because i was like i'm not i don't really see a lot of myself on the page here but then i would look step back and look at the show as a whole and be like but look at all this that we did together (laughs) and when you say that like it's it's gentle um it was not when we went to cincinnati oh we had a completely different show that we were doing there and it was very like these are the problems and here's why you're a problem <laughs> as an audience member and like we had a completely different audience also mm-hmm, mostly mm-hmm. older all all white like all hearing also um and it was like it was it was very clear that cincinnati was not dc mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and also like we had a show that we were just testing out like it was it was a much more ag- aggressive it was much more like trying to point fingers at people and i'm glad we don't we don't have that anymore but we needed to do that in order to find oh, the yeah, show that absolutely. we have now yeah totally which is i mean like that's one of the things that Jorge said at the end was like the things that one concrete thing that you can do <laughs> to, about take away from there is just to call out privilege mm-hmm. and i think and I don't see any problem with the first time that you experiment with figuring out how to call out privilege is to make it aggressive. Like that, that's just a necessary idea. It's a necessary part of getting to there. Like, right. Um, that's totally legit. I totally understand that, which is why I was surprised at how gentle it was. And it's a, it's a great statement about how effective that devising process was that you came to this place because it's in a really good place. Thank you. I wish I could, I'll tell you now why I haven't been back since the first performance. Um, I found out when I was at the first... Well, so at dress rehearsal, we had dress rehearsal on the on on the playground, mm-hmm. and I was getting bit a lot, and I was like, oh, maybe this bug spray that I, that I um, used is just, like, the wrong bug spray. I'll use a different one tomorrow. And the next day, I had, like, huge welts on my legs Whoa. and arms. I found out that I was allergic to mosquitoes. Um... <laughs> which were also very attracted to me apparently because there were after the first performance i had bug bug bites all over the front and back of my knee and i couldn't bend my leg oh my gosh um i was like i can't come back and it was really hard to be able to to come to shannon and be like i know i committed to coming every week and i just can't because no that's (laughs) i i was like because i found out i'm allergic to mosquitoes and i'm sorry And I was, like, apologizing. But, like, that's who I am, where I feel like I make a commitment and I'm going to stick to it. And now I'm seeing, like, all these, like, great show reports coming back. And I'm like, oh, man, I wish I was there. But I also would like to bend my knees. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Oh, and I think, I do think it's important to point out Joey. Joey is deaf. Joey is deaf. Yeah. So there's a sign. So it's it's the picture is hilarious because the picture shows four people in each of the four squares, which is delightful but there's actually five people right because sarah's interpreting yes um which is in and of itself like so uh, again speaking of gentle like without rubbing it in your face like one of the one of the players of the game this is how they play the game and she's just there and she's helpful and but you're immediately thinking like oh some assumptions i had about what what was going to happen here are are probably wrong (laughs) and there's they're really awesome about like teaching the signs for some of the some of the songs which mm-hmm. like as they accelerate is impossible for someone who's trying metals to trophies something. accolades yes that's the one uh-huh 
Also, one of the things that I discovered, and this is probably one of the reasons I don't have as much ASL as I should, because um, we used to do it when I was kids. It was part. Of, it was actually part of the church. Like they had oh, really? something that they cool. offered. But I'm left-handed. Uh huh. Oh, I'm oh. doing. I'm right-handed, and I've been signing a lot left-handed. And they're like, "No, do it this way." I'm like, "But I can't. I can't." <laughs> it's like, I, yeah. Every first instinct I had about like dominant hand gestures was completely wrong. And then you accelerated the whole game. I was like, okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> But it's really that, and, and that's your tiny disadvantage that you have. <laughs> My tiny, yeah, exactly. You're left-handed. Well, and that's when I, when they're like, "Name a disadvantage." It's like, oh. <laughs> what did you write? Not rich, which is fair. Yeah, that's fair. That's a, that is a solid. I one. was like, if you're gonna write left-handed, no, I'm gonna no. be like, kick you off this podcast. No, those scissors, man. <laughs> you feel it? No, it's, yeah. <laughs> I could have, but I didn't realize someone Someone else, I think it was Shannon actually who did something specific, uh, like the student loan debt. I was like, oh, that's a really good one. Yeah. Um, but no, it was really, what's really great about, well, Joey, first of all, hilarious and yes, and infectious and like We're his gonna energy. We're going to hang is, out with him later. <laughs> it's going to be great. I'm excited. I, I love his energy and I love all of that. But I like, one of the things that, he ha- that comes up almost immediately is like, where do you look when he's speaking? Yes. And like... That's, that's something you don't necessarily always think about. It's like, but I need to be looking at him because he's giving us instructions on the game. Yes. She's not giving us instructions on the game. She's just talking. <laughs> you need to keep looking at him because yes. he's the one who's, who's got it all. And that, I'm, I imagine, oh, like every day, that must be a huge problem if there's an interpreter involved. Like, Yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't even imagine, but that must be a huge issue for him. Like when, yeah. he's, when he's in the room with an interpreter and i've i've spoken with we've had like five or six different interpreters and i've spoke with one of them because we were having some issue with audience attention in cincinnati um and this was back when we didn't have an interpreter in the show we had the act the other three actors interpreting for joey Mm -hmm. and um and a lot was lost because they're they're not interpreters um they they know a fair amount of asl but when they were voicing for him people were looking at the character mm-hmm. and we were like because they think that this character is speaking but joey's actually speaking and no one is looking at him right and um the interpreter i was talking to was like this happens to me all the time i sit in the back of a of, of a theater to interpret for someone on the stage and people turn their heads to the back of the theater to hear where the voice is coming from and i just that i don't know what the solution is for that yeah. and it's it's terrible because like Joey has things to say and yeah, like yeah. we should be listening to him Absolutely. and watching him and you know he's yeah. got like in addition to what he's signing his facial expressions and like everything else like that's the full package and the fact that for him to be understood he needs to rely on someone to voice for him is just like that's that's part of his the way he operates yeah so I don't know where I was going with that but I hadn't. Oh yeah. <laughs> was just, I love Joey. Um, he was in Tribes at at studio. Did you see that? No, I didn't. Uh, I was running a show at the time, um, so I did not get a chance to see Tribes, which is a bummer because I heard excellent things about that show. He was great, and he was clean shaven. I don't know what he's like no, he's now. He's pretty scruffy right now. But um, he was clean shaven at the beginning of the run of Squares as well. He like just shaved off his beard, and he had a huge beard. And I was walking, because I took the metro to Gaidet, 
or I took the bus. I took the bus to Aguilera and I was walking up towards the elementary school and you know how there's kind of like a, I'm sure you drove, but there's kind of like a road that you have to yeah. go up to. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, I know that there are like five or six people with cars. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll run into one as I'm walking and I, the listener can't see that I'm doing walking arms. Um, and he pulls up next to me, but he, he was clean shaven and I didn't recognize him. And I was like, who is this stranger? And then he was like, get in my car. And I'm like, okay. And then I got in, I was like, oh, it's Joey. <laughs> But I was, like, so shocked. I was like, hopefully it's not someone who's going to hurt me. And then I got in. And I was like, oh, okay. And he's like, yeah, I know. I shaved my face. Calm down. <laughs> but it's, like, night and day. Like, his face, his beard completely changes mm-hmm. the way he, he looks. It's hilarious. Um, but he's also hilarious in other ways, not just from shaving his face. <laughs> um, so that's that's that i mean, do you want to talk about the songs in squares at all or? i just i mean they're good they're <laughs> so much fun um the especially i love put them up on itunes <laughs> we should uh if you could like as videos is how you really have to do it right um the uh somebody pointed it out as we were talking about it like one of the things that's confused and i thought there would be more of the like um intentionally changing the rules are not acknowledging important rules, mm-hmm. and so that somebody would like suddenly lose a game. That, but everybody understood the game. I right. thought that not understanding the rules would be part of the object lesson, but in one sense it was because in the games, and they're singing in some of the games, you're allowed to make changes to the rules. Mm-hmm. In the song sections, when they do timeout, you're not allowed, or it's not spoken right. whether you are or not. It becomes much more performative, and you're like. So theater goers lapse into theater going mode, and on. But that's that's the whole point is to don't completely think about that because the like show stopping song at the end, as they're singing Ameri- about the story um, of the American story song. Of more, yeah, like we say it's all about equality. Yes, <laughs> uh, and the way that that goes, which is fantastic, mm-hmm. uh, because it happens by having like only some of them singing. And only only the white people only the white were people singing. singing. And it's really great when they get to the sections where, like, we, this is what we did to bad things that we did to people. And they're like, we? No. No, not we. Lisa and Jorge yeah. introduced that part of it. They're like, I don't think that we would actually say we did this because we did not. And so that added a whole new level to that song, which I am so glad. That, and I, when I said I didn't write the best song, that's the best song in my mind. It is. It is definitely I did the best not song. write it. Rachel, yeah. Rachel Grossman all the way. It's very good, and yeah, and that's that's in a part where like it's not like where the rules thing becomes unclear. It's like you're supposed to sing along and enjoy the song, like, and then all of a sudden you're made aware, like, oh man, meta narratives and stuff. They didn't use those words. That's that's, <laughs> that's my super nerdy word, but that's what it's about. It's about like who. The other thing about okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna pull back and get super nerdy, like okay. game as theoretical construct for deconstructing uh, existing power relationships mm-hmm. is a really potent tool. And one of the person people who did it the best was Ludwig Wittgenstein when he talks about language games and he talks about like toys and m- words are toys and there are certain rules about who gets to play with the toys, about who gets to say what. Mm-hmm. And so the playground metaphor is so great right there. You're like, who gets to say we? Right. Who gets to be the song leader here? Mm-hmm. 
and who and then that's where that's where people started to be like yeah we're all singing along we're encouraged to sing along and the white people are like yeah we did that and then all of a sudden like when they object you're like oh i don't actually have to sing along to that right maybe i don't actually have to participate in in reproducing the we part of that song right. maybe representation maybe i don't have to give any attention to representation like that anymore right. and it's such a subtle way to like talk about like the rules of who gets to be the communicator absolutely totally love <laughs> well i'm very glad it's in the show i could take no credit i'm glad it stayed i'm glad i'm, and I'm glad it's effective um oh, with yeah. the audience yeah i loved it good i'm glad you saw it today and it's so fresh in your mind yeah, yeah. i know you were supposed to go a day that they had to reschedule because there were only like three people going yeah to that's performance. i was worried about that yeah um so i'm glad I'm glad it all worked out. When yeah. I saw it on Twitter, I was like, oh, perfect. And then he's going to come to my apartment. <laughs> and then he's going to record. And then we're going to eat tacos. Um, it's all part of the plan. <laughs> so do you want to talk about Halt and Catch Fire? I was going to say, if we're going to talk about res- representation, we absolutely have to talk about Halt and Catch Fire. Yes. And the two awesome lady characters. Yes, they're my favorite. Oh, my gosh. Donna and Cameron. If you haven't watched Halt and Catch Fire, and judging by the numbers... <laughs> You haven't. It's on Netflix season one, and it's like some of the best writing I've I've seen ever. It takes a couple episodes to get its footing, but yeah, so great. And then once you realize who Donna is, you're like, oh my god, I love her. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna keep this spoiler free just because I just think it's so amazing, and people should just watch it. Absolutely, totally agree. I also have like this weird uh, childhood connection to it because my dad is a computer programmer. He doesn't com like completely program everything anymore but like he's when i was a kid he was like it was computer programming in the 90s and that's like what halt and catch fire is and we had computers like the ones they're showing on um on the show and it's just like i'm like i remember that i have a lot of that um experience where i'm like i mean we grew up in such a nerdy household (laughs) where people are like oh do you know unix i'm like yes of course i know unix um and and like that was like what we played with like we didn't have a lot of games but we played with like we had a bunch of programming books and my dad always wanted us to learn language and we never did and i'm kind of bummed um that i didn't take him up on that but i was a kid i was like no i'm not gonna do i'm not gonna sit in front of the computer and do that but i i told him i was like for my blog i now do some basic html (laughs) and he's like oh good like what kind of things and i'm like i can I can insert links because I think he expected me to be like, I could italicize something. <laughs> so I'm I'm slowly but surely trying to catch up to um, my dad's vision of how we might function in society. Um. <laughs> That's it's so funny you mentioned the languages. Well, I uh, we'll get back to Halt and Catch Fire in one second. Sure. I have a friend. She's out in Idaho, and she did not. She's she's about to go back into college. But she um, she had to drop out because she got pregnant mm-hmm. um, and got a job at a title company. And her career path is completely old-fashioned. Worked at the same title company and worked her way up through the title company until for 13 years. And then she became the one who was responsible for keeping track of this super sophisticated program that they use for basically database management for keeping track of titles and mm-hmm. tracks of land and all that stuff. So she went from being... A college dropout to someone who is now learning how to read raw XML code, and she's like, 
it's kind of weird that I don't speak any foreign languages, but I'm now starting to learn a bunch of computer languages. Right. <laughs> it's like, right. yes. That's, I mean, not not exactly the same, but that's kind of how my dad came up in the ranks. Like, he works for a mutual fund company, and he started at, like, very, like, very entry-level position of, he was going to school while he was working, and, like, I never saw him because it took him 12 years to get his bachelor's. And we would see him, like, when he came home from college after work. Mm, um, wow, yeah. And, um, and so, like, he always pushed us to go to college right after high school because he didn't want us to do the same thing. But he has been with the same company for over 25 years. Wow. Um, and that's why I say, like, he doesn't program so much anymore because he's, like, now vice president of some department. There are, like, a million vice presidents. And he's like, that's not an important title. But, <laughs> but like, it was just, like, you know, coming up through the ranks yeah. as, like, not even a college um, degree holder at the time. And so, like, that's kind of the nostalgia I have when I watch Halt and Catch Fire. Yeah. In addition to it being a really good show, yeah. I'm like, I feel like I have a personal connection to the subject matter. I was like, did you ever go to Comdex, Dad? <laughs> He's like, maybe a long time ago, but... <laughs> I love that. Why are you asking me oh, these man. questions? <laughs> so good. Um, I actually had, I, I had the same, almost the same experience. Mm-hmm. But first of all, if you... if any listener did actually go to school in the late 80s and the early 90s and had seen the Apple IIe, has used computers like this, who's ever carried a laptop that weighed a laptop, and that's in air quotes because right. it weighed 30 pounds. Right. Who... Put a handle on it. Yeah, oh my gosh, <laughs> that's so brilliant. Every part of that. Like, it hits, it hits your lived experience exactly. You will remember everything about how you grew up with technology because of the the marvelous attention to detail of the production design it's so 80s the house yes. that, that donna and gordon live in is so much like so many places that i've lived in my life right my parents it reminds me around. of my grandparents house oh yeah yeah but my family so my grandma and grandpa used to own a computer land really so like my grandfather met steve jobs and they were one computer land is one of the first he was one of the first Computerlands in Michigan to sell Apple products. Uh-huh. I had an Apple IIe in my bedroom as a oh kid. Oh my god! So I played Load Runner to death, like logoed, having the app, the little turtle telling when the say, turtle. Hello, was Aaron. <laughs> didn't, when you turn I it didn't. on? Didn't. <laughs> and like that. Oh, sorry, that's a spoiler. We we can talk about Joe <laughs> or Lee Pace's career in general because I think Lee Pace's career is completely fascinating. He is excellent as this like. Oh my tortured god! Tortured sociopath. If you love pushing daisies and you're like, look at sweet Lee Pace, and you want to see him show some range, you need to watch Halt and Catch Fire because he is completely different. It's it's amazing. It's totally insane, and he's so good. Uh, I need to catch. I need to circle back around to the fall because apparently he's really good in that as he's well. He's good in that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's a. It's so funny because the Tarsum Singh is the guy who made the fall. Like he's normally a director of commercials. Mm-hmm. And he put together... Was that his first feature? No. His no. first feature was The Cell I with Vincent D'Onofrio and Jennifer Lopez, if you want to like go down that... Um, no, thanks. It, it was uh, it's a, like a horror movie where she gets trapped in a virtual oh, reality. Oh, then no, yeah. no thanks. <laughs> I don't watch horror. Yeah, it was like 1996. Um, so, but as a commercial director, he, he shot the fantasy parts of The Fall on his own 
as he traveled the world. Oh, wow. Piecemeal, piece by piece. Like, he'd been dying to make that story. So it took him a decade wow. to get all of the footage together enough to be able to do the rest of the story. So It's a, it's a good movie. My brother made me watch it when he was... Um, when he was trying to get into the film major at UCLA, he's like, look at all these great movies. And some of them I was like, oh, God, Michael. But <laughs> that The Fall has stuck with me, and that yeah. was one of the ones that um, you would really get along with my brother. <laughs> you would also really get along with my fiancé. <laughs> Everyone is really into movies around me, and I'm just like, theater, please. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, yeah. That's, uh, I should, I feel, I always feel like, even though I work in theater, I should see more theater. It's just the working in theater means I work when, right. Right. It's such a perverse cycle. Because you're usually cycle. working when the shows are yeah. going on. Freelancing, it's it's helped a lot to be able to set my own schedule. So I've been able to do things like go see squares. And, yeah. Uh, what else did I see? Not as much as I should have, but. I'm seeing four plays this week. Wow. Uh, in my last week. And three of them are in one day. Uh, I'm going to KATF on next Saturday, so a week from today. Um, and I've never been, and I'm really excited. Um, I'm seeing uh, World Builders, um, which I think is by Jonna... Uh, I don't remember her last name, but she she wrote um, Gideon's Knot that was at Forum a season or two ago. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, fantastic writer. I'm really excited to see her uh, this is like her new new play this is like the premiere oh, wow. um, okay. and Everything You Touch by Sheila Callahan which has had a couple of productions but this is um, one of the first and um, We Are Pussy Riot which I don't know who wrote it but I know it's a woman and I've never heard of her but I'm excited to like explore this woman's yeah. plays um, especially this subject matter um, and I'm seeing three plays in one day um, in Shepherdstown West Virginia as kind of like a goodbye to the East mm-hmm. Coast, goodbye to East Coast theater for now. Um, and then on Thursday, I'm seeing Dear, he- Dear Evan Hansen at oh, Arena. Oh, yeah. There's a lot going on in that show. Have you seen it? No, I I, hung, I focused it. Oh, okay. <laughs> a lot of lights then. Well, it is a musical. There's f- like 45 moving lights. It's a musical that they are they are taking it to New York, and they're treating it this stage like it was going to be in New York. So okay. that level of production value is what you can expect. I just keep re- when you said that I thought that you were gonna give me a horror story because I keep hearing great things about the show from people who've seen it, and so I'm going to opening night. So it's been in previews for a long oh, time, forever, yeah. Um, but I'm looking forward to it because I really love Pasek and Paul's writing. I think that they're great song songwriters. They are like going to be the next uh, Sondheim. They are like so they they write so much, and they have been like hitting their stride over the last couple of years um so i'm excited to see it um and also excited to like say not excited but like looking forward to like one last show at arena yeah yeah absolutely Um, yeah because i've been seeing every show there for the last two years as long as i've been Mm -hmm. one of their fellows um and so it's gonna be weird to be like i had to turn my key the other day i was like this is very weird Mm. I'm like, everyone knows I'll be back to visit and be using that writing office. <laughs> but I can't hold the key, which I understand. Like, I'm going to be on, I'm going to be so many thousand miles away. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. It's true. No, that's good. I'm, I, it's such, it's, I'm super glad that they, that the producers managed to make that work. Like, 
because it's it's not in a normal slot and it's like it's not part of the regular season order but right. it's it's super helpful obviously out of town tryouts are great and it's it would be i mean arena is such a fantastic institution it's great that they're able to what space is it in it's in the krieger okay that is the the proscenium right yeah mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. I've, every single musical I've seen there has been in in the Fitch. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, so it'll be interesting to see something more traditional. <laughs> There's um, tons of projections in it, so like. Of course, yeah. You would not be able to do that in the round. No. No. I have seen them do projections in the round, and it's like half the audience can see yeah. it because it's they like suspend a thing over the audience, and it's like you have to look up, and if you're not sitting in the right spot, you miss it, and then you have to ask the person next to you what it said, and so. <laughs> The one time I've done a show in the round with had the had projections in it, we did rock and roll in our small and at the alley um, uh-huh. in the round. And what they did for the projections was to hang the projector and project images onto the central playing space. Oh, that's smart. so like rock and roll. They're spinning records right. and like you, they you introduce the scene on the floor. So there's some of it like, but it, it's it's not anywhere near as big as the fish either so like it's easy for people to read text that's on the floor so that was uh but yeah in the round and projections are not good friends no they try they try to be friends um i just crossed off like three things from our list because i was like i was like we've talked about yeah we've been covering a lot we have not talked about nexus though we haven't we should definitely talk about nexus great you could start okay (laughs) i wrote it yes (laughs) and it had its world premiere in upstate new york mm-hmm. at this uh which i'm so glad that you came yeah. i'm i'm still kind of really like floored by that the fact that you drove all that way to go see it i was stoked i was like i have just enough here a gap in my schedule right now that i can totally make this work like it's a, it's not super long it's like a six hour drive yeah but you had to stay the night i did have to stay the night and it was snowing like mad yeah. Did you stay in Burlington? Um, in Vermont? Yes, I did. That's that's, that's where, where I, my parents stayed when they came to see it. Yeah. It was, for whatever reason, when I looked up the places to stay in the town, whose name is completely escaping me at the moment. Oh, Cambridge. There's they, like nowhere to there's stay. There's nowhere there. to stay. Like, And the ones that were there were out of business or right. whatever. Like, oh. Yeah. Okay. And Burlington's the closest thing, so. Yeah. Um. The, the, did you did you stay at the Best Western? That's where my parents I stayed. I did actually. <laughs> I think there's like really only one hotel there. There's not a lot going on. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. <laughs> it's it's quaint that way. <laughs> where it's like you have also when we were trying to I, I'll let you talk about the play in a minute. But like I loved being in Cambridge. I hated trying to find food in Cambridge. Oh, it was everything so weird, yeah. would close, or like it was Monday, so none of the places were open, or it was after six, so everywhere was closed, and it was just like we had to really plan our meals really carefully, right. and like cook a lot, which was good. Like it's good to cook more than you're going out, but right. it was like we were when we were in rehearsals and then show at night. It was like we didn't want to go home and cook. Where are we gonna go? Oh, the bar across the street. We could get some bar food there, and so like the. It was really interesting to kind of be like, what do people, where do people go who live here? And um, it's, it's a lot of farmers that live there yeah. and they have like earlier hours than a lot more. Like I had the best eggs ever mm-hmm. when I was living there. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Jonathan and Emma told you, but we would get eggs delivered to us <laughs> from this like amazingly nice person that would be like, 
just delivering eggs to the house and he like upped the eggs he would bring from like one dozen every couple of days to like three because he thought we were gonna like eat all of them <laughs> and i think they ended up like taking a couple dozen home at the end of the run but wow. it was just like the you you never had such good eggs in your life mm-hmm. like fresh farm eggs go ahead and talk That's about awesome. the play <laughs> Well, it's, I mean, it's interesting, too, because I think the structure around it, because it, it was it, it is a new play festival. Mm-hmm. In, and that was their first time doing it. And that. it was their first time doing it. But he, the uh, David? David Snyder. Yeah, yeah. Was at Arena. Yes, which that's is how, how we met. Right. Because um, the rest of the people producing were much more local, way mm-hmm. more local. Um, yeah, more like Berkshires, Vermont. Yes. And um, upstate New York within a couple hours. Yeah. So... What I did not know when I bought the tickets for it was that the show was going to be all of the plays that they were presenting that day. Right. I don't think anyone knew that. Yeah. And that was was like their first time trying out something like that. And I feel like probably a lot was learned. I agree. I am (laughs) From that experience. And how many people left at intermission because they thought it was done. Because they thought it was over. Yep. And it felt over. Um, The first. uh, I'm glad you stayed. Yeah. No, I was like, oh, oh. Okay. <laughs> well, because it made the drive home. Like six hours, whatever, when you get up at seven, no big deal. Six hours when you... Did you drive home after the matinee? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I didn't leave until like eight. Oh, wow. So I got home at like two. Yeah. It was... Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I will forever be in your debt. No, for, no. It was For doing awesome. that. <laughs> like, so the most of the new play stuff was ultra raw. Not anywhere near as polished as Nexus, which like had a like several production at least one prior production at fringe or something no nexus it was the first time that was, that was a, the world premiere okay but there was there a, some rehearsal at arena or something it had a workshop at a arena workshop. okay um, yeah a two-day workshop right. at arena, <laughs> um as part of the playwrights arena initiative oh yeah okay, okay. Um, with the same actors luckily and yeah, with Dave and with okay. david directing luckily so it was the same team that came over and then we had like a week and a half of rehearsal in cambridge which was tragically short like oh, i was yeah. rewriting the whole time and they bless those actors because they just ran with it i was not giving them any time to like do anything other than instinct <laughs> right because yeah, yeah. they kept getting new pages from me and i was like i just want to make sure it's good play yeah yeah well that's funny because it reminds me of this, this semi-horror stories you hear about like peter brook and these like great directors and the 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 things that they do in the rehearsal process in order to get to the point where everyone is operating on instinct instead of like layering that level of interpretation on top of it and 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 you stumble on the way to do it naturally which is to make sure they never actually knew what the words were going to be <laughs> sadly sadly but they did a great job with but it they didn't did they it. oh they they did it was um I am out. I, I, I was never going. I was never tempted to leave, even during like the hour-long like lecture on how bad it is that farmers are going out of business, which was rapturously received by the locals. Um, and then, then there were, some of them left and then didn't come back for Nexus, which was probably okay because they're. I, I would argue not the target demographic, as it were, of Nexus. It's good to be the reason you go to new play festivals, though, is to see things that you wouldn't normally self-select. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, 
But also probably a lot of them came because they knew the playwright. Oh, that yeah. Play. He's, he's well like, known he's, in the area. He's yeah. local. He's a yeah. no, uh, novelist uh, no, or nonfiction writer, writer yeah. or something. Yeah. Like he he is, you know, been published and is very well known in the community. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like a lot of the audience was going to see his play. Yeah. I which I was, I was fine with. True. Yeah. I, uh, although, uh, giving some love to my dramaturg friends, he could have used a dramaturg. Oh, yes. Pretty strongly. But Nexus. Nexus is great. It's a fantastic love letter to the process of love in D.C., mm-hmm. which I really, I, I felt, I, there was definitely an element that was like, oh, this is in Cambridge, New York, but it would be so awesome if this were happening in D.C. because it's about D.C. and, like, the play, the way that the place. You heard him. Yeah. You heard him, yes, listeners. please. I know it would I'm... be great if this is, <laughs> I'm going to quote Aaron saying, it would be great if this was done in D.C. I agree. I really would love to do it in yeah. D.C. I would really love to do it in a museum in dc oh yeah that'd be so great oh my gosh yes so that's um, those are my big wants um keep going <laughs> keep telling me how great it was <laughs> oh i love I, and what's i loved also having the discussion immediately after the performance so like it it was super fresh for for emma and jonathan and like it was absolutely like sparkling clean off of the right from the spring fresh for me and the discussion was fantastic um so for me the the performance itself is kind of wrapped up in the discussion that i had immediately after like they're all sort of the same event and one of my favorite parts about it was like when it came out that i was like team her yes and and that which i am also team her (laughs) that's so great yeah uh yes uh i how do i put this Team W, hashtag Team W. Hashtag team w. I, I mean, and I love that, like, I, it's a trick that I've used in a couple of plays that I've written, too. Like, there's no names. Like, it's just it's just reducing it to the essence of the people, like, not in, in avoiding any kind of judgment that comes from, like, choosing the right name or not choosing the right name. It's actually really hard if you've never tried to do it. Um, I, I advise it as a playwriting exercise for those of you who've never done it. Try to try to name some characters. and like, oh, yeah. yeah. It's super hard. I'm working on a play right now where there are uh, five characters and they all have names. You'll be happy to hear. Um, <laughs> That's when you have to have and names. I, and I have um, discarded some names and brought in new names and I'm just like, oh my god, I miss Nexus. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I like the simplicity of it. I like the way that it like there are certain elements of like because it's not and, and it's what's bittersweet about it and what's just so authentic about it is the way that like no one is ever really on a secure footing with where they are in a relationship there are signs and codes that they that they accept as like this is how this relationship is going and then there's always a stumbling block so you don't like the whole concept of like um like life partner or like uh soulmate that's the word i was looking for like the whole is shown to be so problematic like Mm -hmm. because from mood to mood from moment to moment that they could totally betray you and if your if your belief in an idea and a soulmate is is that that is a betrayal and not just the fact that they're another human being that you have to deal with as they are then you know that can be devastating emotionally and how how do you traverse that how do you traverse life in general And, and i love the coda where she comes back and you're just like because you just, but is she back or what is, and you end it with not, you just don't, you don't know. You know, you understand that there's an affinity between these two people and beyond that, mm-hmm. I don't, it doesn't necessarily have to have any other 
name or, or thing to it, which is a very true to my romantic experiences in life in general. Mm-hmm. So, and that's what I found really affecting about it too. Have, have you seen, and this is possibly a silly question because the answer is probably going to be no. The Disappearance yes. of Eleanor Rigby. I have not watched it yet, but I see that it's now on Netflix, so it's on oh, my great. queue. When yes. you tweeted at me about that, I was like, all right, I'm going to put this in the back of my mind because it wasn't yet on, on Netflix, oh, yeah, but now it right, is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so not yet is the answer. I will be. Jessica um, Chastain is luminously amazing in it. And I, there's, there's, I don't, which version is on Netflix? I haven't looked. They have all three. They have but all I'm, three. I'm just going to probably watch them. Yeah, that's um, the one I saw in the theater was them. Yeah. But they have him and her or mm-hmm. his yeah. and hers or whatever it, they call yeah, it. Yeah, whatever it is. Yeah. They have all three. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Them is great. And it, but it, it immediately reminded me of that, that same, because there's just like, in, in that sense, there's like a specific event that sets off this like reason for them to think this way, but but that sort of instability in the face of what you think you should know about your someone you like are are with mm-hmm. is something that i really love yeah. also the the meet cute in nexus is hilarious and one of the few things i have not rewritten since i wrote <laughs> it um i'm very happy with that first scene and i have rewritten pretty much every other scene you could ask emma she has been reading it for years um that is the reason we've met um and we are now inseparable um we met because i um and she maybe told you this already but like i was at a um reading series for nnpn at woolly the year that woolly hosted mm, two or three years ago um and emma was in charge of guarding the food um and i was like i was invited to this thing and i'm going to eat the food and she was like no um and then I was like, oh, okay. And then I walked away and then I came back and I was like, are you an actress? I've written, I've written a 10 minute piece that's going to be done at Forum because I originally wrote like what was the original ending of Nexus like many, many drafts ago for um, a Forum Reacts piece. Oh, okay. And so I was like, would you like to be in this? And she's like, sure. Um, and she, I have been forcing drafts of Nexus on her ever since and now we are very close friends. Um, but, um, but yeah, so that's the, the, the meet cute scene, the, where they meet at the bus stop is one of the first scenes that, um, I wrote when I started writing the play and it has not been rewritten, um, which I can say about none of my work. (laughs) Um, and, um, I was going to say something about it. Oh, when we were teching that part of the show, I came in and the lighting designer had put put it as a night scene and i was like no stop everything a woman would not talk to a man at night if she doesn't know and they were like okay uh, we'll make it daytime but i was like oh my god i was i was just like i was so i felt like such a diva coming in and being like no it has to be light out but like that was something i felt very strongly about i was like w would not talk to m if it was nighttime and she was on her headphones she would just not talk to strangers because that is how people in dc are especially women you have to like protect yourself but in the day it's a little less scary yep that's and and that i mean it could have been on any metro platform or any bus stop or any i mean yeah i was like i was like i just that that scene was so dc it was like it was exactly my experience, everyday experience. 
it was perfect. Yeah. You could feel free to borrow that script <laughs> if you're like, give me your phone. <laughs> <laughs> if you need to like meet someone. <laughs> I'll keep that. In That's op- open source for yeah. you only. Okay. Okay. Do they know? Much obliged. Keep it in my hip pocket, as it were. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, I really, I love Nexus. I hope it gets other productions that I get to be a part of because I really, I mean, when you're saying the thing about dramaturgs, I would love to work on that play with a dramaturg. I still feel like there's some stuff I could fix. Mm-hmm. Um, and I worked with Jocelyn Clark when I was at Arena and it was a great, um, he was a great resource and it was amazing. And as soon as I got to, um, to Cambridge I forgot that I had him as a resource and I didn't come to him with questions and he was like you should have come to me I would have helped you but everything was happening so fast I was like oh my god and I I was just like where am I sleeping tonight and also we're in rehearsal and I feel like is this play shit is this play good like I have to rewrite blah 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 and I was not even thinking like oh I have a a dramaturg a phone call away (laughs) that is more than happy to help me out um but I would, I would also love an opportunity to work on the play in a rehearsal process that is longer than a week and a yeah, half. Yeah, yeah, I think. Um, because I would like to do more watching than actual um, rewriting. <laughs> right. I'm sure there will be yeah. some rewriting as well, but like, I want to see the actors discover things. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I just feel like we, every, like I said, everything was instinct, and their instincts were great. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was no time for anything other than that. Right. Um, so, so that's Nexus. If anyone wants to do it, you know where I am. It made the Kilroy's list this year. I saw that. I was very excited. It was awesome. As a matter I'm, of fact, I'm super happy about that. I'm. I was shocked when I got the email. I was like, who, who thinks it's good enough to be on this list? This is amazing. Um, I have some guesses now that the list of nominee nominators has mm, gone mm-hmm, out, but mm-hmm. I everyone is anonymous, so I will never know for sure, probably, right, right. unless I get every single one of them very drunk <laughs> and I ask them. Um, whoever goals, you right? whoever yeah. you are, I am very grateful. I think I know who you are, but I'm still very grateful. <laughs> well, that actually puts us at our hour. Oh, it does. But we didn't even talk about Gilmore Girls. We did not get a chance to talk about Gilmore Girls. That's true. We can briefly, if you'd like. We can briefly, okay. Skip season seven. Yeah, that was is planning. What I on, have to say, I was definitely planning on that. Great. When I rewatched it, I actually texted Patrick. I was like, I just hit the last episode of season six. Should I skip season seven? He's like, absolutely. And I watched season season seven when it was on TV, and I hated every minute of it. Yeah. Um. So I just pretended like it ended after six seasons. All right. Um. And I suggest you do the same. And if you have Prime. You should watch Indeed. Bunheads. Yes. Oh, because yeah. Because okay. Bunheads is amazing. And Patrick and I could talk to you for days about Bunheads. I'm looking forward to that <laughs> one, actually. Because Sutton Foster, I'm a huge fan of oh, Sutton Foster. Oh, I love Foster. her. And I feel ashamed that I have not caught up with Younger yet, either. I, I watched that one day when I was out sick with Bug Bites. Um, it was very, very good, but also very problematic. Okay, okay. But I was, like, bowing down to Sutton Foster because <laughs> I, I love her. Um. I, you haven't seen any episodes of Younger? No, no. Okay. There are some things where you're like, did you really write that, writer? <laughs> okay. Did we talk about... Okay, briefly. Ever so briefly. I know. Briefly, everything. Did we talk about Pretty Little Liars at all? Ever? No, I okay. don't watch it. Okay. 
unfortunately. But there's, there's, I mean, it's fine. It is what it is. What I love about it is that it knows exactly what it is, uh-huh. and it just revels in its whatever it is in this. But it's also there. Are, it's remarkably free just for for being a soap opera uh-huh. uh, about young girls who are played by women who are 10 years older than that. Right. Um, it's remarkably avoids, it, it avoids a lot of the, the dumber romantic entanglements. Not that it's mm-hmm. not problematic because you have this teacher student relationship, right. but like the meta. I have re- watched a couple episodes. Yeah. The meta nature of, of what they have going on, like their relationship with sex is fascinating mm-hmm. because like, you know that the, you know what, the adultness of the situation but they all have to pretend like they're acting like teenagers uh-huh. and then but they all nod to the fact that they're not actually teenagers <laughs> and it's completely hilariously like aware of itself uh-huh. I, I enjoy the crap out of it and like it's directed by a bunch of women it's written by a bunch of really funny women um that's and, on netflix right maybe uh, i yeah, should watch that yeah. when i become a uh business school widow um <laughs> Which is what's coming up, right? Right. Uh, I don't know. You may you may find it far more objectionable than I did, but um, I, I I have some friends that really really enjoy it whose tastes I I um, am pretty in line with, and you and I seem to agree on like pretty much all TV shows that aren't horror, um, <laughs> because also the fall the TV show. Oh yeah, is fucking amazing. Amazing. Everyone should be watching these shows. It'd be like, queue up your Netflix queue. The Fall, Bob's yeah. Burgers. <laughs> <laughs> which is oddly feminist really yes oh okay yes you should watch it definitely okay um and hilarious and not like in a gross like adult cartoon way but it's definitely for adults um very good it's very good i really love it um what else are we saying Bunheads, but that's only on prime um <laughs> which i do not have um gilmore girls what else are we recommending <laughs> pretty little liars <laughs> Oh, oh, Halt and Catch Fire. Halt and Catch Fire. Excellent. And that's, that is the perfect way to end, I think. Yes. Halt and Catch Fire, people. <laughs> Get on it. Watch it. And then call me, everyone. <laughs> All right, we've got some tacos. Yes, we do.